This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Known and Ever podcast. This time it is the preview show. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley, and as ever, I'll be joined by Dave Statman-Roberts in the preview show studio, looking ahead to this weekend's fixture against Newcastle United. Fresh off an 8-0 victory against our relegation rivals, Sheffield United, this is going to be a toughie. We're also joined in the studio by analyst Tom Whitaker, who gives us his take on that fantastic um, away win in the League Cup against Salford, and a tricky tie away at Everton in the next round. So, without further ado... Let's go. Dave, welcome back to the preview show. They come thick and fast again. Um, We are back in the studio looking forward to Newcastle away, but um, also getting very excited about that Salford win. What a fantastic victory midweek in the Cup. Yeah, we've made a, a hash of uh, League Cup games in the past. We had a few banana skins. And, uh, yeah, we scored early on. Well, we got three goals in the first half. Could have been four, had one disallowed and uh, a comfortable win in the end. So, yeah, it was a, a good result and a good uh, draw, as you say, in the next round uh, Goodison Park. Now, you have an interesting stat about um, the Salford game, which we saw on Twitter, for those of you who follow you on social media this week. That was, um, yeah, tell us this stat. Well, yeah, it was an odd one because four different players scored our four goals um, and they were all the first goals those players had scored for the club, which seemed like a, a strange coincidence. I kind of tweeted it at the time and thought, well, it, it, I don't know the answer to the question. When was the last time it happened? Um, unfortunately, I've got a, a database of all our goals scored, so I was able to do a bit of jiggery-pokery with a, a spreadsheet and managed to work it out. There was one game in 1890 where we won 7-0 at home against Bolton Wanderers and three different players scored their first goal for the club. And that's the only other time that's happened with three players uh, until this week when four different players scored their first goal for the club. Excellent stuff. I always imagine that life as Dave Statman-Roberts is just basically involves lots of jiggery-pokery with spreadsheets. Is that essentially how Dave... Yeah, how was, was, Okay, that sounds good. Um... <laughs> Were you happy? I'm presuming you were. I mean, I know some people have got mixed feelings about the League Cup, but I, for one, like to be in every cup we can be and go as far as I can. Um, you're pretty happy to be in it, despite the challenges of the Premier League, Dave? Uh, well, it made a change having a draw where Manchester City weren't in it. We didn't have any yes. uh, peril of uh, possibly pulling them out of the hat. But yeah, I think uh, whoever we play in the last 16, it's probably going to be a, a tough match. You prefer to be at home. Uh, than away, but it's a winnable, winnable time, and obviously the interest uh, uh, from the media as well with uh, Sean Dash's involvement. Assuming Sean Dash is still in charge by the time we play them, there's a couple a of weeks away, left yeah. yet. Yeah, there's still a month away yet. You never know; he might have gone by then. But yeah, already being billed in the media as the Sean Dash Derby. Um, is well, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that Dash doesn't use this fixture as one that 
he's going to suddenly pay attention to League Cups and play an absolute blinder and, and beat us. I kind of feel, Dave, like we can't win in this scenario. Like if if we let Everton win, we're out of the cup. If we beat Everton, that just piles more pressure on Dyche, which we don't want to do. There's literally no good result for us in this this draw. A win's a good result. A win's always a good result. It is, but if poor Dyche gets sacked on the back of it, we're going to feel terrible. I'm going to feel well, terrible. Well, they, they won their last league games. The pressure's off a little bit from, uh, from that point of view. Plus with the, uh, fi- the financial constraints they've got as well, they aren't going to be wanting to uh, be changing their manager every two minutes, are they? That's, that is very true. But, um, yeah, there, there, he is under some pressure, is our um, ex-gaffer. I think Everton were handed a pretty favourable set of fixtures to start the, the league with, and a lot of people hadn't put him in uh, as very short odds for first manager to be sacked on the basis that they thought that he would set off pretty well, and he, he really hasn't. Um, and a, a draw against Sheffield United, and you know, fair enough, he, they won the last game, but he's lost some games around him that he really should have been winning. So... Fingers crossed for old Dash's sake that he is still in charge when we're playing. But yeah, we'll we'll have to see how that one goes. Um, right, we are actually no. Before we move on, I, I nearly forgot poor poor uh, poor Tom. I, I built this up at the beginning and then completely forgot because it's known never and we always do this. Um, we sent a uh, regular panelist Tom Whitaker down to Salford. He was one of the lucky few who could get tickets um, to watch the game, and we he couldn't come on tonight. I think it's his sister's birthday. Um, so he took the night off and didn't come on the previous show, but he did send us this match summary about the Salford game. Over to you, Tom. Good evening, Claret. It's Tom here. Just a few misses from the Salford game. Uh, interesting fixture. It was quite enjoyable to be in a terraced away end. I'm a, just a little bit too, too young for the, uh, I know I don't look it, but a little bit too young for the, the Division 4 days, but it was a real throwback to what that must have been like. Um, the non-league ground really it's also a non-league club so it was quite interesting to uh to go to a ground like that you don't really get a chance very often these days you know we're playing Luton next week but uh but other than that it's not very often you get to go on a, a you know a, a standing sort of away and behind the goal in this day and age um the game itself was it was more like a pre-season friendly really than a competitive fixture obviously as i say salford it feels like a non-league club and it felt like that in the home end as well just no atmosphere no noise or anything uh, maybe 10 or 15 fans near to our end. The game we're doing a bit, but not really getting any chanting going in, to be fair. They didn't have a lot to, to shout about on the pitch either. Burnley dominated the game. Um, 11 changes, I believe. Um, but unlike the sort of Sean Dyche uh, cup games where they made a load of changes and they looked really disjointed, uh, it just doesn't quite fit together. And unlike actually some of the cup games last year, I went to Shrewsbury away last year. There was Crawley and, and Fleetwood at home as well, where we won uh, and we won pretty comfortably, but there wasn't a kind of convincing fluid attacking uh, display in any of those games. But there was against Salford, you know, a three and up after half an hour. Uh, great to see four players getting their first goal for the club. Uh, Burge with a header from a corner. He was really impressive, sort of dictated the game in that midfield, playing the sort of Cullen role almost. I was very impressed with him. Uh, O'Shea with a tap in, not much to talk about there. Um, the two standout goals really were were Brun Larson's a brilliant ball from Zorori. He got three assists. He was fantastic, playing in a bit of a more central role, which we saw him. I think it might have been against um, Man City. He came on and played that kind of role. Obviously, with the amount of wingers we've got in the team, some of them are going to have to learn how to play centrally. Um, but he looked really good there, Zorori. He was knitting the play together. 
match. He has, I say, three assists and uh, and the ball that he played for Brom Larson's goal was absolutely sublime. Just one touch, flicked it around, around the corner over the defender, and Brom Larson took it fantastically well. Uh, I know Richard uh, of this parish is a big fan of Brom Larson. I've not quite seen it myself yet. I've, I've, to me, he's a bit more of a kind of a workman like Winger, more in the Goodmanson role, uh, no uh, mould, sorry, the word I'm looking for, rather than a, a sort of flamboyant. Coliosho type, but I thought yeah, he was, I was quite impressed with him. His touch was really good. Um, he had a decent game and, and he took his goal superbly well, chipped over the keeper. Um, and the other winger that obviously stood out was, uh, was Wilson Oddebert. He, he looked decent. His cameo at Nottingham Forest should have had a goal really. He, was, he I wouldn't say he was unlucky, but he did work to get himself in a position where he could have scored. Um, and this time he did get his goal, took it superbly well. Um, but out to him on the left-hand side again from Zorori, just cut inside the defender and uh, and slammed it home. Uh, yeah, really good finish. He looked really bright, really promising in that kind of Collio show mode. Again, mode. I meant mould, sorry. Yeah, I do apologise. Yeah, so uh, some promising signs there. People who, uh, who wouldn't normally play getting minutes under the belt. Um, a four-goal win away from home. Um, weren't troubled at all. Uh, there was a lot of clamour for Murich, um based on him getting a clean sheet and coming out and doing his sort of <laughs> diving header 30, 40 yards out from his goal, which you know what you'll get with Murich, there'll be entertainment, but uh, he was so quiet all night. I mean, he could have put me in goal and we probably would have kept a clean sheet. So uh, I don't think that he's really made an argument to start over Trafford on Saturday. No fault of his own, just that the, the level of opposition wasn't there to, to really take anything from it. Um, similar really for all the players, I think other than just minutes, confidence uh, and progress through to the next round, I don't think you can look at, for example, Berger's performance and say, well, he could play the Cullen role because it's one thing to do it against Salford, uh, one of the worst teams in League Two currently, and it's another thing to do it against Premier League teams. And I think we saw probably in the, the first couple of games that holding midfield isn't Berger's role or it's not going to be his role for us. Um, and similar with Zorori, uh, I mean, we know he's got the talent, but whether he'll be a number 10 going forward in the Premier League, I'm not sure. Um, probably need to see him there a little bit more to make that decision, but what's for sure, he was, he was excellent. Um, so perhaps that is something that's in his locker or something that they'll add to his locker. Because it has been a shame, really, I think, the, um, the lack of minutes that Benson and Zorori have got in these first few games. So hopefully they, well, hopefully Zorori states a bit of a claim. Unfortunately, Benson off injured. Um, just took a bit of a heavy tackle. I don't think it'd be anything too serious. He tried to play on, but there's no point risking it in a game like that when you know it was pretty much game over after 20, 30 minutes. So hopefully, I, I could see him being involved on, on uh, Saturday. I don't think it was anything too serious, Touchwood. So yeah, it was an interesting day out. A good win. Um, I think the, the, the draw in the next round is very interesting. Uh, Sean Dyche's Everton, of course. The Dyche derby, or the, the Tony Grant derby, is I'm going to try and and get it known as. Um, yeah, I think with those playing not playing Everton in the league till December, I think everyone had a bit of an inkling that Dyche might have actually been sacked by them, such as the nature of Everton and the fact that they've got new owners coming in as well. So it will be nice to hopefully to get a chance to to sort of um, give him a good send off from the away end. Uh, I'm sure he'll get a good reception. I'm sure McNeil and Tarkovsky will as well. First time obviously will have will have come up against them since they left. Um, assuming he plays them. I was really surprised actually that he put such a strong team out against Villa. Um, obviously, uh, seasoned Dice Cup watchers will know that uh, Premier League survival tends to take priority, shall we say. 
Um, so having a good team out and actually beating Villa was quite a shocking result, really, and quite impressive as well. Hopefully that doesn't continue. Hopefully uh, they have a couple of bad results in the league in between and, and, it, and it's a bit more of a weakened team that we have to go up against. But I think we showed that the squad is good enough in some areas this year that we can make those kind of changes and not uh, and it not trouble us too much. Um, going forward, I think we've got a lot of players that can slot in. Um, obviously, how wide we spoke last time about the amount of wingers we've got, but a lot there's none that seem way off the level, even the, the younger lads that have come in. So that's a promising sign. Uh, a word for Jack Court playing 90 minutes at centre half. I don't think we're going to see that in the Premier League this season, and if we do, something's gone horribly wrong. So uh, <laughs> that's perhaps one of the areas where we 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 can't make 11 changes and look comfortable. And I think if uh, if Jack Court is playing centre half against Dominic Calvert Lewin, then we'll have something to worry about. Uh, but all in all, a good night, uh, the expected win, but hopefully a bit of a confidence boost and something that we can take into the, the Newcastle game on Saturday. Up the Clarets. Lovely stuff. Okay, Dave. Quiz question. Now, this season we're doing things differently, and those of you who are familiar to our preview show will now know this. Um, instead of giving you a quiz question and a chance to submit your answers ahead of the next episode... We give it you at the beginning of the show and we give you the answers at the end. So you only have the duration of this podcast to get your answers together. Taking a familiar scene, I suspect that it might involve players who played for both Burnley and Newcastle. Over to you, Dave. What have you set our lovely listeners this week? Uh, well, there are 15 players who've represented both teams. That's Burnley and Newcastle United since the Second World War. Uh, and only three of them have played 50 or more league matches for both clubs, but can you name all three? Well, there you go. Have a think about that. So we're looking for the players who have played more than 50 league games for both Burnley and Newcastle since the Second World War. There are three. Now, if we're getting any bonus points this week, Dave? There is a bonus question, yes. We, we um, have recently played... Uh, Manchester United and our previous league match, we're playing Newcastle United next. Uh, for a bonus point, can anyone name the only ex-Claret who's also played for, for both Manchester United and Newcastle United, our last and next league opponents? Uh, only one man has represented all three clubs since the Second World War. I think I know who that is. I never get these questions right. Okay, I will think about that, Dave. Uh, there you go, listeners. Put your thinking caps on and you've got until the end of the episode before we reveal those answers. Okay, so let's move on. It is, of course, Premier League time again and it is back to business. We are on the road. Not been on the road much this season. We've played four games at home and just one away. It's Newcastle United. It's one of those uh, rare Saturday 3pm kickoffs. It's not televised. Uh, but it is at St James's Park, Saturday the 13th of November. Dave, can you kick us off, please, with your match results summary? Uh, yeah, here's our summary of past home league, uh, away league matches Sorry, against Newcastle United, um, as well as 10 seasons together in the second tier. Uh, there have been 43 past seasons in the top flight, which means this campaign is the 44th. Uh, there have been six previous visits to St James's Park in Premier League matches. So overall, in 53 away league matches, Burnley have won 14, uh, drawn 13 and lost 26. And the Clarets have scored 65 goals and conceded 93 in those matches. 
lovely stuff. Uh, first of our new features then for the first half of this season, you are giving us two contrasting games in your want to remember and want to forget feature. It's a retrospective look at a couple of memorable past meetings. Dave, go ahead. Which ones have you chosen this time, starting out with our want to remember? Well, so far, none of our six previous Premier League visits to St James's Park have produced an away win. As well as three defeats, there have been three draws. Although one of those draws, in particular, stands out and is going to be one of our chosen matches for this feature. On New Year's Day 2015, 3,200 hopeful Burnley fans made the trip up the A1. The home side, with John Carver in caretaker charge, took the lead with a Stephen Taylor header after 15 minutes. But we were back on level terms four minutes later, thanks to a bizarre own goal from Paul Dummett. In between those two goals, Burnley lost captain Jason Shackle to injury, with Kevin Long coming on for his first appearance in the Premier League. The home side went 2-1 up after 26 minutes through Jack Colback, and although the score stayed that way at the break, Burnley had to make two more changes before half-time after losing Dean Marnie to illness, followed by a serious knee injury to Kevin Long, who'd only been on the pitch for 20 minutes. Into the second half, and despite the adversity, Danny Ings levelled the scores once more before Musa Sissoko made it 3-2. But there was still time for a late equaliser from who else? George Boyd, to salvage a late point and make it a memorable New Year's Day on Tyneside. Lovely. Now... There's always a flip side to this, though. So as lovely as that was, Dave, there's always a one to forget. So what have you picked for that one? Yes, we've got a, a yang for the yin and yang. And the uh, <laughs> one to forget from a, a Burnley perspective uh, is actually our heaviest defeat at St James's Park, which was in September 1951 in front of a crowd of over 50,000. Despite the visiting Clarets taking the lead in the 19th minute through Billy Morris, Goalkeeper Jimmy Strong had to retrieve the ball from the back of the Burnley net seven times after goals from George Robledo, who scored four times, George Hanna, who scored twice, plus a seventh from Bobby Mitchell. The Burnley Express used the headline, Clarets had no answer to United Newcastle. And it was definitely a way, an away day to forget on Tyneside for Frank Hill's side. Is this weekend, Dave, going to be our heaviest defeat? When you're saying that they had to put the ball out the back of the net seven times and they just put eight past Sheffield United, I'm not feeling that great. So let's uh, let's move swiftly on, move swiftly on. Um, you listeners know that we like to give you a balanced view here on the Non Ever podcast. So we got the views of our opposition this week. We spoke to the True Faith podcast who gave their views ahead of the game. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Go 
Hello, Burnley fans. Sam Dalling of the True Faith Newcastle United podcast here. Uh, lovely to be on No Name Never for the first time. I have actually, believe it or not, listened a fair few times because I cover a little bit of football. So if ever I'm covering Burnley, I always do my research. But I'm here today because Natalie has very kindly asked me on to chat Newcastle United ahead of Saturday's game. So here goes a stream of consciousness. Oh, well, I had the joys of a trip to Milan last week. So life is pretty good. We had a, a mixed start to the season, uh, 5-1 against Villa. We just blew them away. Like it took us by surprise. People were talking about this tough start. Sandro Tonale, who came in, Italian international midfielder, cost 60, 70 million quid. Uh, he scored within about eight minutes of his debut and we thought life was going to be easy from there on in. But as you know, football does not really work like that. So a difficult start. Uh, we were eight mad minutes away from beating Liverpool, went to Man City and lost. We got absolutely panned at Brighton. Uh, but post-international break, uh, we've had a, a pretty good week. Uh, four clean sheets, three wins, beat Manchester City in the Cup. And a weird game. I don't know if any of you saw it. It was on Sky, but completely two halves. We were so passive first half, couldn't touch the ball, uh, came out 10, 15 minutes, just blew them away with intensity. And, and how had this Eddie Howe, who, well, you all know and probably don't like uh, so much, had this uh, kind of mantra last year, intensity is our identity, which is pretty corny. But yeah, that's what we did. We pressed teams uh, and we have had to, I think, sit off a little bit because we're not used to having so many games. So, uh, the, you know, we're still building a squad and whether some of the players basically haven't got strength in depth um, quite yet. But um, we are in decent nick and I expect that to be a good game, actually. A pretty open one. What can you... I know Vincent Company won't shy away from the way you guys uh, play. So I suspect, I hope there's going to be goals in it. Although, as I said, we've had four clean sheets on the bounce. Um, Nick Pope is number one. Another man you'll know quite well and you probably already know that as good a shot stopper he is, his distribution, his kicking is far from the best. So I expect you to put pressure on that. Uh, up top, we've got Alex Izak, who actually scored the winner against Man City. But I expect Callum Wilson to start. I think Izak had this really hot streak second half of last season and, and I genuinely think he is going to be a proper like a real top level Premier League player uh, there's a few goals he scored last year there's one against Everton as well where he doesn't get an assist because it's an own goal where the ball just stuck to his feet um, but he played the Champions League midweek then didn't play the league game against Sheffield United or he didn't start it Wilson started it and I think uh, we forget how good a proper centre forward Callum Wilson is. Uh, he's always like battled against adversity, having competition for his spot up front has, has done both of them good. And Wilson's got something like 15 in 19. Uh, Anthony Gordon is honestly having the kind of well start to the season uh, that none of us really expected. A bit like I guess Lyle Foster for you guys. You signed him last January, a uh, little bit underwhelming. We were kind of like, why are we spent all this money on this lad? Um, but he came out and said himself, Gordon, that he wasn't 
like he didn't know the system. Uh, it's a bit like, again, there's comparisons with how company says you need a hundred hours or whatever it is to gel together. Um, Gordon admits like he just didn't, he wasn't fit enough and he didn't know how to play the way how I wanted him to play. But he went away to the Euros with James Trafford. I think he was player of the tournament, Gordon, um, but he's come back and he's just been brilliant. And actually, he was rested for the Sheffield United, that 8-0 win. Um, but Harvey Barnes started, picked up what's apparently quite a nasty toe injury. So he's out for a couple of months. So expect Gordon to start probably Mickey Almiron, although we're on the right, but we'll have half an eye on PSG, who are coming to St. James's on the Wednesday night. So who knows um, with how it certainly will rest and rotate in, in midfield. Um, Bruno is our kind of star man. He's a bit of the poster boy, um, I guess, of our of this new era, whatever you, you might think about the ownership and things like that, um, which is all completely fair cop. Like Bruno is probably the, the fan's favourite and he has strolled a little bit to to match his levels, actually, um, of last season at the start. Maybe, I don't know, he certainly loves the attention, but he has just signed a new deal and he had a, a brilliant game against Sheffield United and he was very good when he came off the bench against City. So I would expect him to start. Uh, the one who, other definite starter is Sean Longstaff, who there's this weird, um, I don't know, like nobody really thinks he's any good, but then whenever he's not there, we miss him massively uh, and he um, just runs and runs and runs. He does all the dirty work, all the stuff that uh, allows Bruno to be a bit more creative, allows us to be a little bit more attacking. So, yeah, it's odd. It's it's hard to define and point to moments where he changes games, but his absence um, is usually keenly felt and he played um, all three of them matches, actually, Brentford, Milan and Sheffield United in a week. So he'll keep running and running. And then we always play midfield free. Tonali has, I think it'll take him some time to adapt to the league. Joe Linton's just back from injury. We didn't expect him back really. And then suddenly played 19 minutes against Man City. So whether how we'll start him, I'm not sure. But it's a young lad, Elliot Anderson, who uh, they call him the Jordi Maradona. There's nothing like football fans is there for to overhyping a kid. He's from that Wars End boys club, um, the famous one, Shearer. Carrick, etc. For he he's started the last couple of league games, and I, I reckon you know, when you win eight 0 you probably don't need to make too many changes to the side. Um, so I, I could see it being Longstaff, Bruno, and Elliot Anderson. Anderson, he's, he's a kid. He's only started a couple of league games. He's just waiting for that moment, I think, to give him a bit more confidence. Uh, um, but uh, I have high hopes for him. And then at the back, I mean, a man you guys will know well as well Kieran Trippier who hat trick of assists against Sheffield United like he might just be the best pound for pound pound for pound signing uh, we've ever made um it, it shows how bad we were when we got him that a right back comes in and immediately looks by far the standout player in the side by a long way um and he's just a leader I mean you, you'll know you'll know his quality uh there's just the way he goes about things um the way he leads on the pitch he's been brilliant brilliant for us um and then this defense of Fabian Cher who was on his way out you know Steve Bruce didn't fancy him and 
whatever attention you pay to Steve Bruce as a, a football manager, who knows? Um, but yeah, Bruce didn't fancy him, um, but he's formed this partnership with Botman, uh, Sven Botman, who will again, um, and fair enough, I've got any castle bias, but I, I do think Botman will end up being one of the better centre-backs in the league if he's not already young Dutchman. The record, I think he's played 50-odd games and, and the win record or the number of games lost is seven or eight. When he's played, uh, he missed that massive Brighton defeat where we got battered. Like, we just don't have centre back um, cover. Although, you know, Lascelles and Dummett, who've barely played a game, started and kept a clean sheet against Man City. But in the league, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Botman will come back in. And it's probably Dan Byrne at left back, who, again, just keeps surprising. Like, it doesn't look like he should be a left back. He's six foot seven. Looks like he should get done by wingers. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you're a kind of whole gaggle of tricky little Belgian wingers will uh, give Dan Byrne the run around. They can probably run through his legs, some of those lads. Um, but yeah, that's probably how we'll line up. Um, I hope it'll be a good afternoon. It was It's our first Saturday three o'clock home game since I think New Year's Eve last year. It's just mad, isn't it, how we get messed around as football fans. I'm looking forward to it, though. I enjoyed seeing Burnley come back up last year. Saw a few bits of them. <sighs> Gotta make a score prediction. Natalie's pushed me into it like I'm gonna say we're gonna win um of course naturally well let's go 4-2 why not let's all have a, a little bit of fun um so I hope that well I hope we win 4-2 I wish you luck for the rest of the season I do genuinely think of the three sides that came up uh you are the one that's got the best chance of staying up and I think you will get better you've got a tough start um and uh, company and Craig Bellamy seem to be doing a brilliant job. Um, so if you're going up on Saturday, enjoy the city. It's a great place to be, uh, particularly at the moment. Uh, the atmosphere is buzzing. Everybody's friendly. Pubs wise, fine with shirts. Go in, say hello. Everyone will hopefully welcome you with open arms. All right, I will sign off there. Good luck for all the games apart from Saturday coming. All right, cheers. Okay, Dave, do you want to give us some referee information, please? Who's going to be in charge in the middle and in the VAR studio? Uh, well, Tom Bramall of Sheffield will have the whistle at St James's Park on Saturday afternoon. The only two previous Burnley matches he'd taken charge of were from last season. And despite the incredible season we had, neither produced a victory for the Clarets. He was in charge for our 1-0 away defeat at Watford. That was on a Friday evening televised match early in the campaign as well as for our goalless draw against Blackpool at Bloomfield Road in March. There was one red card in those matches, which was shown to Hassan Kamara of Watford. Uh, Aussie-born Jared Gillett will be the video assistant referee for this fixture. Good stuff. So, how are we feeling, Dave, ahead of the game? Um, tough start for the Clarets. We sit on the second to bottom of the league, I think, um, on goal difference, just one point so far. Um Five games played, but five horrible, horrible games. We managed to get that impressive point away at Forest. Um, I think the points on the board and our start to the season don't necessarily take into account the difficult fixtures that we've had. But Newcastle away, irrespective of their confusing start to this season, is not going to be an easy game. It's going to be a toughie. We 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 haven't won there in the Premier League yet. To get a a victory there would be a, a fantastic result on Saturday. We are capable of it. I think we we are seeing um, a side gelling together. We had defensive issues. I think early on in the first couple of games we've tightened that up a little bit. 
since then. Um, and yeah, it'd be a, be a good game on Saturday afternoon. We have to be wary of Newcastle. We know what they're capable of. We saw them um, score eight away from home. They're obviously on their uh, their home turf on Saturday. It's going to be a, a tough match and uh, we'll just have to uh, hope that we can get a, a positive result out of it, whether we can uh, grab a point or even go one better and, and get a victory. What are you expecting will happen um, personnel-wise? Obviously, this is the last game that Lyle Foster is going to be suspended. Um, and whilst we started last, the United game with JB, JBG on the... It's really difficult, actually. We've got a JBL as well, and I keep getting them confused. Um, JBG mm-hmm. on that right wing, he withdrew very early with um, a pull of some description. Um Sander Burge, we've seen, make a really great impact playing much more of a number 10 role rather than that central midfield holding role, which he just doesn't suit at all. Do you expect he will start with um, with Sander Burge in that role? Do you think he'll maybe stick Amdouni up top and maybe bring somebody like Zerurian um, and start him instead? What are you thinking personnel-wise? Oh, we've got some options, haven't we? And we have to bear in mind as well, we've got a match on Tuesday, so we've got a uh, another Premier League match Much coming more up. I'm not saying one. We, mm. Yeah, I'm not saying we should rest players for Saturday for Tuesday, but uh, we certainly but have to be mindful. we should rest players of, on Saturday for Tuesday. <laughs> you know, we, we should be mindful of, of both the games. We've got a squad. We've seen that, you know, we, we, we had a, a full team change for, uh, for the match against Salford, so there are options within the squad. So it's a case of trying to get the best out of that across the two Premier League games and make sure that we can, well, yeah, the the, the priority in some ways is the is the Luton match, but that's not to say there aren't three points up for grabs on Saturday afternoon as well. So we've got to we've got to make sure that we can uh, give ourselves a chance in in that game as well. Yeah, I am going to pin you down for an answer because I know you're a bit of a politician when it comes to things like this. So what do you do about that personnel? I know we have options. How Who do you put in those places? Do you start with Sander Berge and see if he can do something on the off or do you play somebody like Zaruri and bring Berge on as an impact star? What was your preferred option? I think the way Zaruri played on, I mean, obviously it is against lower league opposition, but he got three assists. I'd be tempted to to put him in there same. for for Saturday. Yeah, so. same. I agree as well. Um, good stuff. Um, do you want to give me a prediction then, please, Dave? I th- I'm going to go for a a two two draw again. I went for a two two draw oh. last time. I was, I was totally wrong. But I'm going to go for another high scoring two two draw. I also am going to go for 2-2. That's really strange. It's not very often that we are on exactly the same page. Uh, listeners, we never, dro- we're never on the same page. Not when it comes to, to predictions, it's not. Um, listeners, drop us a comment in the chat box below. Uh, tell us what you think our score is going to, what the score is going to be. Or if you are watching, listening to this, sorry, through our podcast audio, um, drop us a line on social media. We want some score predictions from you, please. That would be uh, really great. We always love to hear from you. Um, let's wrap up the previous show then, Dave, by treating our listeners to one of your wonderful miscellaneous stats of the week. Uh, well, our stats of the week this week uh, relates to uh, our opening to the season. A defeat against Manchester United last Saturday meant that Burnley had lost the opening four home matches of a league season for the first time in the club's history. That's our actual worst ever home start to a league season. However, on the flip side, Burnley are currently unbeaten in away league matches in in 2023. So far this calendar year, 12 away trips in the league have produced seven victories at Swansea, Norwich, Luton, Hull, Middlesbrough, 
a memorable win at Ewood Park and also Bristol City, as well as five draws at Millwall, Blackpool, Reading, Rotherham and Nottingham Forest. We know it'll be tough, a tough ass this weekend. We'd very much like that sequence to continue with a positive result at St James's Park. Yeah, we very much would do. That would be very, very nice. Um, good stuff. Well, that is that is it. We're going to wrap up our preview show there. Um, it is the Clarets away at Newcastle. Um, I think we would have been feeling a little bit better if they hadn't just absolutely hammered Sheffield United. But on the flip side of that, Sheffield United have showed us exactly how not to play against Newcastle. Um, obviously, we're going to see um, fan favourites Nick Pope and Kieran Trippier up at St James's Park. They'll guarantee to get a warm reception, I think, from the travelling clarets. Um, so, you know, if you did manage to get a ticket and you're going up there, please do raise the roof and support our boys. Um, before we leave you, we've got a couple of housekeeping matters. Uh, first and foremost, we've got an, an FPL update for you from resident FPL expert Adam Dennett. Um, he sends his good luck to all of our FPL managers this weekend. It's game week seven. It's also going to be a double game week for the players of Burnley and Luton Town. So if you do have any Burnley or Luton players, I have two Burnley players, but they're on the bench, so I need to bring them in. Um, then now would be a good time to play them. Um, once again, there are no Friday evening matches, but Aston Villa play Brighton at 12.30 on Saturday lunchtime. So you have until 11am on Saturday morning to make any changes to your team or to commit to playing one of your lucky chips, those magic beans that we talk about. Uh, good luck. And as Adam says, green arrows to you all. I now know what that means. Um, Dave, quiz question then, final bit of housekeeping before we leave them. You asked our listeners to name the three players who have played more than 50 games for both Burnley and Newcastle since the end of World War II. I don't know any of these, so go ahead. Hit was on. Who coming at number three? You said you might know the other one. Are you going to give us the answer to that one? The, pl the player who played for this isn't previous... 50, though, is it? No, no, it's at least one. At least one. It's only one player has played for all three sides: Manchester United, Burnley, and Newcastle United. Right, I knew you were going to make me say this on air, and this might be a really stupid answer, but I've got a feeling that it might be Andy Cole. Correct. Yes. yes. <laughs> They're right. <laughs> Don't seem so surprised. I, Dave, how long have we been working together, and how many quiz questions have I tried to answer? Of course, I'm surprised. <laughs> well, I, I thought you might have got that right because that was one of your wrong guesses for last was, week. So I thought yeah. if you get the wrong guess, you might get it right this week. Yeah, all right, thanks. Anyway, third in the list of 50 or more appearances, please. Uh, yes, we have got three players. Um, one more recent and two from a little bit further back. Um, in third place, again, it's only ones who played at least 50 league games for both sides. We've got Joey Barton. Oh, 52, of course. 52 league games for Burnley, 81 for Newcastle, 133 combined. Uh, we've then got uh, Jeff Nulty, played a majority of his time in the 1970s. Uh, 130 times for Burnley, 101 for Newcastle, 231 combined. And also the third name was Tommy Cassidy, 70s and 80s. Uh, 72 league matches for Burnley, 180 for Newcastle. 252 league matches combined. Excellent stuff. Hope you got some of those listeners. Do drop us a line if you've got any of those. Um, we're not giving out uh, prizes this year, but you never know. If we start getting some good engagement, I might start giving out some known and ever stickers. You never know. We've got a we've got a new batch of them. 
Actually, I don't know where they are. Else I would show them. I'll bring them next week. For next week's preview show, I'll bring you some stickers. We'll do a show and tell. Uh, we'll start enticing our listeners to engage with us. Um, they're very good. Um, that is definitely all we have time for then, listeners. Thank you for joining us. For those of you who are listening to this as a podcast show through our audio channel, please do click that subscribe button through your preferred podcast provider. Um, it makes a difference, um, it certainly, certainly in terms of rankings. And for those of you who are watching the visual of this on our YouTube show, please, please, please click subscribe. Turn on notifications to get notified when a new show drops. It really helps us um, to build the channel and we will look forward to interacting with you all there. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the preview show brought to you by the Known and Never podcast. Until next time. The Known and Never podcast is brought to you in association with the TalkSport Fan Network. Our host and editor is Natalie Bromley and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Rich Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby and Adam Dennett. Our music is provided by George Gaskell and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonenever.substack.com. Thanks as ever go to our partners TalkSport. We are proud to be associated with the TalkSport Fan Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? UVX 10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's eufy.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.